Life is one long journey made up of many detours. Some are chosen and some are not, but they all teach us something along the way. Welcome to the Detour Podcast, where conversations about life detours and travel detours converge. It's one part human experience and one part travel experience put together to teach and inspire us to take the detour and enjoy the wander. for being here for another episode of the Detour Podcast. Today's guest is here to tell us all about a very significant detour in her life. It's the kind of big life detour that diverts the whole route, challenges everything you thought you knew and believed, and changes the path forever. For some, this may be a sensitive or even controversial subject, but my goal with this podcast is to always help others tell their stories. And for myself and my listeners to hear that story and to be educated, informed, and possibly inspired by those experiences. So when I recently heard Debbie speak and say, I'm a mom of four boys, one of them is gay, and they all love Jesus, I knew I wanted to talk to her some more about this topic. I'm so glad she has agreed to share with all of us today, and I happily welcome her to the Detour Podcast. So thanks for being here today, Debbie. Thanks, Sheila. I'm so excited to be here too. (laughs) Well, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. Um, We're not going to lie. We get a little, we're both a little (laughs) nervous about this. We're both really putting on like our brave pants today. Because yeah. it's one of those things, you know, that can step on people's toes. And it's controversial, um, <laughs> definitely yeah. controversial. And it was controversial for you. And I think that's why it's um, an important thing to get into. So when we think about life detours, we usually start with the before, you know, what was life and the road like before the moment everything changed quote. So tell us a little bit about your background and the before so we can get to know you a little bit. Okay, I grew up in a wonderful Christian family. Um, I'm one of those families where everybody in my background was involved in some way in Christian education and in Baptist churches. It was um, independent fundamental Baptist churches. So um, it wasn't a liberal type of Christianity. It was very conservative. I went to a Christian school my entire life. It was usually a church school from pre-K all the way through elementary, middle school, high school, college, And I also went to um, a year of Bible college as well. My dad was my Christian school principal and my mom was my um, Christian school teacher for at least for high school English. She taught all the grades for over 40 years. And I um, was married to a, got married to a wonderful Christian guy who also grew up in a wonderful Christian home. And he went to Bible college um, to the same one that I went to. After we got married, I would pretty much say, um, I'm not trying to brag. This is not like a Pat Debbie on the back or anything. I mean, I grew up being taught, read your Bible every day, have your personal quiet time devotions with the Lord and um, pray. And I prayed for a Christian husband. And I was the kind of the kid in high school who probably was the one that nobody wanted to be around. Um, I actually would get in the car and tell people, um, you need to turn that music down, that rock music. <laughs> we shouldn't be listening to that. And um, I got, you, you got like, testament. <laughs> I was just going to say, do you like get an award for like the best I did. Christian? I got it. 
I did. I got an award, Best Christian Testimony in Athletics. I got it for three years in a row. And uh, I also got a homecoming queen. I was a varsity cheerleader, and um, I was a captain of the cheerleading team. And it was very important to me to live a Christian life. I went to the, I was in the chapel services where you go down, they would have like this mass altar call, and everybody would go down the aisle and you know, it would be everybody in the whole school, except for like those two or three kids. And I would be looking back and seeing who it was and I'd get with my other friends and we would pray for them that God would reach their hearts. And so, um, yeah, I read my Bible every day. Uh, my relationship with the Lord, I would say has always been strong. I never really rebelled. Um, no sex before marriage, you know, no alcohol at all. Don't go to movies that are bad. I think my first movie was in college and I just basically lived a good life. Um, of course, years later, my theology changed and I realized that I was the pretty cocky Pharisee, I think, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, I'm still but you were following working. all the rules. At least. Oh yeah. Yeah. You were yeah, following all the rules. Didn't want to hurt my parents, you know, testimony and didn't want to upset them. I wanted to make them happy. And so that was all important. Um, I counseled girls my whole life. Um, I eventually got involved in a cheerleading organization and that was a big deal for me. Um, for over 30 years, uh, I counseled girls that, that needed help. I was a mentor. I memorized scripture. <laughs> I studied scripture. I knew God and I knew all the answers. I mean, mm. all of them, all mm -hmm. of them. You, you didn't have to even wonder. And so that was pretty important. <laughs> yeah. I would say with all that, like in a nutshell, you had a very traditional, solid Christian upbringing. Um, you got married to a man that had kind of the same thing, solid Christian upbringing. And you had four boys and raised them with a similar foundation, I assume? Yes. I prayed for our boys before they were even born. I pray for their wives before they were born. I remember my first son, I was sitting and about to birth this child. It was like a week or two before. And I sat with my husband and I said, can you imagine like this baby, this boy's wife is being born right now around the same time, his future wife. And um, we need to pray for her too. And so th that was just my life. And, you know, our boys, we had a normal life with our boys. Uh, I homeschooled them. They were involved in sports, basketball, soccer, baseball, football. We were um, involved in music drama groups. We were involved in the youth group and church camps. And my husband was very close to all of our boys. I, I say all of this because there's a lot of stereotypes out there sometimes. And we had a close relationship with them. I wasn't a, um, we weren't really strict parents either. I, I would say we were really concerned about the heart and more, um, if the heart, the heart's doing the right thing, the outward is going to, going to fit with that. So we were careful, you know, with that and not wanting to put too many rules on them, but, but to always remember, love God, love others. That was kind of the main thing that we wanted to do. And, you know, we wanted them to engage the world, you know, and, um, we let them have friends. They, they were in public school at certain points, um, but mostly we homeschooled. Uh, they were good boys. They didn't embarrass us. They didn't party. They didn't come in two o'clock in the morning. We didn't know where they were. They didn't come in drunk, you know, um, and it's okay if they did because we, we know we're normal parents and kids make their own choices. And but we did want them to be involved, you know, in my husband's ministry. My husband was a pastor and for many years, and we wanted them to be involved in our, our children's ministry and so our, 
the teenage years, you know, all three of them had girlfriends and we taught them, you know, how to treat a lady and how to respect them. Um, the sex was an open topic in our home. It wasn't something that was, you know, a horrible thing. We didn't discuss it. And we openly talked about things and, you know, wanted them to know that we wanted them to be pure. And, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And um, God loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God not love you. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. That was kind of our mantra that we've said our whole entire life with our kids. You know, we, we taught them, though, that sex is something that should be respected and it, it can be dangerous. And we taught them how important it was to be pure in heart and body and that it's not a game. And that was all important. Our oldest son, when he started to like girls, um, had to be reminded quite often, you know, <laughs> I think you have boys too, right? You know, I do. I have too... two boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't sit so close on the couch and, you know, um, be careful. And you guys, you don't need to be holding hands here and you don't need to be all over each other. So we, we were kind of constantly reminding him with different girls, you know, not to do that. And um, that was a, a big deal in high school, uh, you know, uh -huh. yeah, with all you, that. And he, yeah, you have to... <laughs> Give, yeah, give some of them the reminders more than others. Yeah, I mean, I have two boys and they're very different in that way. One, one I was like, um, is there going to be anyone left in the county that you have not, you know, dated by the time? <laughs> like yeah. for he, he you know it seemed like every week he was, you know, had a new girlfriend or something like that. But then once that that was more like middle school girlfriend crushes kind of thing, you know, not really like yeah. dating, dating kind of thing. But, um, and then when he got to high school, you know, he had a serious girlfriend for a couple of years and that, that, that got all out of a system, but anyways, <laughs> we, we, same thing here. Yeah. And, you know, right now my oldest is married to his college sweetheart and they are wonderful. They've been married three years and, um, I'm thankful for that. Our second son, he was the rule follower and he dated a girl for two years in high school and we absolutely loved her she was absolutely beautiful in every way wonderful godly girl <clears throat> they were best friends they had a really mature relationship and we you know kind of had to encourage him more you know like you know it's okay you can hold her hand <laughs> you know after three years you know two and a half years whatever it's okay to do that but he always said that he respected her so much. He didn't want to, you know, ruin the relationship in any way. And a lot of that was because he was the rule follower. And, but we were really appreciative of their relationship and how um, close they were. She was over at the house all the time. And he went over to her house all the time. They were, they were together in activities and we really, you didn't have her. to worry too much about that one. Right. Cause he, he no. had his own rules in place in a sense. Yeah. He was going to follow them. Yeah. Yes. He definitely wanted to follow the rules. And I, I don't want to say that any of my boys are like, one's a better Christian than the other because God sees the heart. You know, we don't see yeah. all the secret, but, um, on the outside, my second son was totally into the Bible studies and he loved theology and he liked to get in a good debate with, um, you know, a good healthy debate. And he really enjoyed, he was part of the good crowd, you mm -hmm. know, with his activities with the, with the kids. Our third son was a lot like our oldest son. He needed the reminders a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he is dating a girl now that he's been dating for three and a half years. They have a good relationship. He's moved out, but you know, we had those conversations all the way up making sure he respect those physical boundaries. You want to be careful. And I always kind of had the back of my mind. I don't know if you do with boys too, but like, come on, 
we all think, you know, what if they come home and, you know, say that someone got pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. they got their girlfriend pregnant. How am I going to respond? And mm-hmm. I always hope that wouldn't happen. But I was like, you know, I'm not going to like overreact. We have kids and we're normal. And, you know, whether you're a, a faith-filled family or, or not, I think for most families, you're, you're, you're trying to do the best that you can with how you were raised, what you know, what you've learned, set those kids off on the best path that they can and whatever that kind of looks like. I think your Christian upbringing can make maybe for some people sound like a little extreme or, or whatever, but these are all, if we all just try to think for the most part, parents are trying to just raise their kids the best they can. And I think we all kind of have in our identity of our self-identity and self-worth is in how well our kids are raised. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nobody wants to, yeah, my kids all dropped out of high school and dropped out of college and they can't get a job and are living under a bridge and they're doing terrible. And, you know, no, we want our kids to get a good education and marry a a sweet person and love God and love others. And yeah, and be a productive member of society. And, you know, and and that's one of those things that, um, is real hard. And we all judge each other too much about, I think, because, um, man, you, you can quote, do all the right things and your kids, they have their own mind and their own path and their own beliefs and their own journey to go on. It doesn't make anybody bad. It doesn't make that kid bad. It doesn't make parents bad, you know? And I think we judge each other way too much on all of that. And when they, when they do, you know, something, off of our path that we had for them, we do. We blame ourselves a lot mm-hmm. of what did I do and what did I could have done better and what did I do wrong and what did I, and sometimes it's just, we just don't understand. We don't have the perspective that we need to have at that moment and we need to step back and understand that perspective maybe a few years later, which is kind of where we are with this, but yeah, uh, let me continue. Um, our, our fourth son, um, he's only 11, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> yet, quite yet. We yeah. have given him the talk and, you know, the he, talk. And he's probably he's not, not that inter- interested <laughs> yet. No, no, not at all. And so, <laughs> like, ew, gross. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we were, as I would say, I, I mean, I, I, I feel we were pretty good parents. Um, sure, we made mistakes and we lost our tempers and we had to apologize and there's some things, of course, we would have done differently, but for the most part, I don't think our kids would go back and say, I need counseling the rest of my life because I came from an abusive home. I, I don't think it was that at all. And um, I did go through stage two breast cancer in 2011. And oh wow, we rode that storm out um, and we wanted our boys to see God through it all. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like I said, most families, Christian or not, you know, you're raising your kids the best way you know how you have some ups and downs and you're navigating those teenage years dealing with big issues yourself. Like every family does just because you uh, have faith in God, like that, or you follow Christ, like that doesn't mean you get a charmed life and nothing happens to you. You know, you went through cancer. I'm sure you had other big and small challenges along the way, but you're handling those challenges together with your family and faith and trusting God. And then you started to notice some changes in one of your kids, correct? Yeah, I would say sometime um, towards the middle, maybe the end of our second son, his junior year, we started to begin to notice that he was staying in his room a lot more. Um, He wasn't my happy kid. He was always the emotional kid. 
we talked to him, you know, quite often and we did our best to keep the conversation open and we assumed maybe it was just hormones or anxiety because you're making those college decisions and life decisions or friend drama. We knew he was struggling. He always though told us, no, I'm okay. I'm just tired or I'm just stressed or this class or that class or he called it quits with his girlfriend, you know, around that time because they really wanted to give each other more freedom and she was leaving for college. She was, she was a year older and that was a hard breakup for them, but they both felt it was for the best and, you know, they wanted to remain to be good friends and um, and, and this went on, you know, it seems like about seven, eight months and you know, just kind of the little bit of the depression in, you know, everything. But in June of 2016, he came into our bedroom late one night and was just bawling. He was just crying his eyes out and said, I really need to talk to you and dad. And of course, my husband was in the shower and my, my mind went through a million different things, never thinking that what he was going to tell us was what it was. And I was thinking, okay, whatever. Did he get somebody pregnant? You know, what's, mm-hmm. what did he do? Did he cheat on something? You know, that's another thing. All our boys were, were like confession people. They, they always told us when they did something and they weren't real sneaky, you know? So um, we both sat down on the bed and um, he opened up to us and said he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was gay he was a homosexual and wow wow <laughs> he, um, you didn't see that coming at all did you <clears throat> no I really didn't and uh, he said he had known for a while and for for many years he didn't even know how to put it into the correct words like he didn't know the words he was feeling and he said he did not want to be this way this was not a choice I do not believe it was a choice and that might be a controversial sentence, um, but I'm in the midst of this and <laughs> I might have a little better perspective on this. I don't know um, if you ha- don't have a, a son or a daughter or a family member that's in this, but he hated himself. I mean, he hated this. He said that he had begged God over and over to take it away from him for years because he knew life would be so much easier and so much better if he wasn't. And that's the truth. <laughs> um, yeah. He wondered, you know, he always wondered, you know, when am I going to be like my older brother? You know, when am I going to be like my younger brother? And am I just a late bloomer? Is there something wrong with me? Of course there is. Why though? Why there? And why is God not answering my prayers? Because mom and dad and church, they always tell us if we just pray and we believe in his name, you know, he will answer our prayers. And, and then it got to, am I a mental case? Am, am I, am I just an idiot? Like what's wrong with me? He literally hated himself. He journal, he showed me from a year or so earlier, all of his thoughts at at Christian camp. That's when he came out to himself was at Christian youth group camp. And, you know, everybody thought he was just trying to, I guess, get right with the Lord or something, but he was just in the corner crying his eyes out admitting this. And at times he said he just wanted to die and take his life. And Mm. he didn't want to hurt us. And I just can't imagine somebody wantingly choosing this um, would go through these, all these emotions, because when you choose something, you know, you, you don't care what anybody thinks or what anybody says or, um, but he did. And he did not want to hurt his dad's ministry. I think that was the biggest thing. And kind of thank God my husband had resigned from, you know, just it's that season of life was over and about 
eight, nine months earlier before my, my son told us. And, and I'm kind of glad because I feel like we may have had to make a choice between our child and our ministry. You want to know the truth. And do you think your son, um, felt like maybe that time, the timing was right to actually be honest with you because maybe, yeah, yeah that maybe felt a little bit safer to say it now. Yeah. At least one thing was off the plate. Yeah. He was yeah. just um, obsessed. He was obsessed over that. He did not want to disappoint us. He felt helpless and worthless. He didn't want to spend his life being called names. He did not want to be an abomination. He didn't want to be disgusting to people. These were all the, his words in tears to us that night. And oh my um, he said, you know, um, you know, I don't want to lose my friends and my family. I don't want to be a freak. I don't want to be a mental case. What's wrong with me? He wondered, you know, why he loved his girlfriend and why she was his best friend. And he was even felt romantic towards her. He wanted to go to dinner. He wanted to buy her flowers and, but he had no desire, he said, to see under her skirt or mm -hmm. to feel her breasts or he had no Any part of that sexuality that comes yeah. with a relationship. Yeah. He didn't have the butterflies. He didn't mm -hmm. have no sexual desire towards her at all. And, um, so what was wrong with me? Whoever said this was a choice? Why would he choose this? Um, then he asked me, you know, in tears, you know, mom, when did you choose to be a heterosexual? And mm -hmm. that floored me because I, I said, you know, well, I mean, I'm asking you, Sheila, like, when did you choose to be a yeah. heterosexual? Like yeah. you don't choose it. It's what you no. feel your whole life. Right. He asked his dad, how old were you dad when you got feelings towards the girls and dad, did you make a decision to like girls instead of guys? And did you ever have the desire to look at, you know, gay porn? Simple question, I guess. But if you don't think about it that way, you don't think about it that way. If yeah. it's a decision, like when did I decide? When did you yeah. decide? And, yeah. And it's kind of the default that we all just are heterosexual. It's that's yeah. the default. That's yeah. what everybody is. The given, um, right? You yeah. just assume everyone is until you find out otherwise that like in this situation. Yeah. And he, mm -hmm. you know, my son had learned to be the quarterback in the game of life. And when I say that, um, when you have to hide something that, you know, you are, you have to be in control of every situation, which was part of the, why he had to always feel in control and the perfectionism. And he learned to answer all the questions. And if you, you know, it's questions we don't think about as a heterosexual, but to him, he had to figure out how he's going to answer every one of these questions in the locker room. The, hey, who are you taking to prom? You know, and oh, look at that girl. Look at her legs. You know, don't you think she's hot? Or hey, you got a girlfriend? And boy, she looks hot. What do you think about her? And and it was just him stepping out of himself and becoming someone else every single time someone asked that question. Even when you get married and you have kids and he had to figure out what was my life going to be like with that. And everybody assumed he was a heterosexual. There's stereotypes with, with gay people sometimes. And he didn't really have the, like a feminine tendency or people wouldn't have maybe figured it out. He's, mm -hmm. he's you mm -hmm. know, kind of more of a manly, I guess compared to my other boys, he might be more emotional and maybe people caught on with something like that. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. I always thought it was interesting that I had other Christian friends that I had a friend their whole life. People said, is he, is he gay? 
you know, is he gay? And I'd be like, no, he's not gay. He's got to be gay. He's got to, he, he's not dating anybody. He's not married. He's got to be gay. Is he gay? Is he gay? No, he's not gay. And I defended this person my whole life. And not until he got in his forties, did he come out? He'd never had a relationship like physical or anything with the same sex ever, but he always knew he was. And he finally wow. comes out and then all my Christian friends go back to me and they go, oh, why is he saying he's gay? He can't be gay. He, he can't be like that. He's, he's a Christian. He needs to be a Christian first. Why is he saying he's gay? He doesn't need to be that. He doesn't call himself that. And I'm like, who said he was his, your mm-hmm. entire life? You were we qu- asking it. you. Yeah. And you were defending mm-hmm. that he wasn't. It's like everybody knew that he was. Mm-hmm. So what, what is it? What is it that causes people to to say that about somebody when they're not even that. And I don't know yeah. that that was just a little side, but yeah, that's a side note. I know. I, I think about that. Like I went to high school and a um, friend of mine, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't really think about people being gay. Like I just thought they were like flamboyant. Like I just was that sheltered. Like I didn't even realize what it meant. And so people like, you know, Liberace or yeah. um, <laughs> boy George, I was like, Oh, they're just artistic. And they're like fancy. Yeah. You know, I'm like, they're, they're fancy men, you know? And I, I don't even know what I thought that yeah. meant, but um, I do remember a friend and, you know, a friend, guy friend in high school. And when I kind of started, cause that's about the time we really started learning about gay because of the AIDS crisis. And I remember mm-hmm. really like, oh, I didn't even know this was a thing. I don't know what rock I lived under, but you know, I just didn't even realize. And, um, and then you don't I have was to think like, about it. No, yeah. right. Again, it's one of those things like, oh, I didn't think about it, but I did realize, you know, then I was like, oh, I think, I think my one friend is gay. Then I remember like thinking that, like, I think he's gay, you know, because whatever. And, um, years later he did come out, you know, it was kind of like, we knew he was gay before he knew he was gay, you know? And so yes. it's, 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 um, it's usually how it is. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I still don't know how, that again, we're talking very stereotypically, you know, about mm-hmm. the subject. So definitely not trying to offend anyone who is gay oh, or no. maybe listening, but you know, I think it's um, just interesting the perspectives that you can have and where you just come at it in a different way. Well, I remember, I remember like thinking the craziest thoughts at first, like he can't be gay. He can't even keep his room clean. He <laughs> yeah. can't decorate. <laughs> I was thinking all these you know, stereotypes, right? He yeah. doesn't have the gay accent, which is what I called it. And I don't mean that bad. He didn't know his words. Yeah. He didn't, you know, and he, he liked sports, but you know, and okay, well maybe he did like music. Well, so all music people are gay and you know, and yeah, it's crazy you try to start thoughts. sorting it out. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> mean anything other than that. They like the same sex that they are. The hardest thing, you know, too, was the biggest thing was there was really no one for him to talk to, not at church, no friends, no family, couldn't talk to his brothers, uh, couldn't talk to his pastor. You can't spill your guts out because once that snake gets out of the can, you can't yeah. go back and say, oh, no, that was just a, I'm just a mistake. I didn't mean to tell you that I think I might be. And you think, okay, the rest of their life, they're going to be looking at you like, you know, there's, there's so yeah. much involved with that. And he would never be looked at the same way. I, I know that's what it is. And if, if he said he had to, you know, you know, he just wanted to be changed. He wanted to be straight now. And mm. I don't know. It's crazy. He didn't <laughs> want that. He didn't want this to be his reality, but he had to finally face who he was. Yeah. Yeah. That must've been such a ta- 
tough conversation for all of you, like for him to share for you and your husband to hear. I mean, were you trying to just hear him and not be like, I mean, your mind must have just been racing, trying to absorb all he was sharing after all this time of quietly struggling. And you would normally point him to God or the church for his struggles. But as you just said, he felt like he couldn't go there because, because why? Because of what he heard from the church or? Yeah. Um, the, the church and, you know, and even us, you know, first I want to say how numb we were so numb. I physically, like physically got a fever, cramps, sore throat for two, three weeks after that. I, it was a physical, my body just got so wrapped up. Manifestation of that stress. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and the first thing we did do was we began to read the gospels and we started, you know, in Matthew and we let's, let's talk about, let's go back to Jesus here, you know, um, because the church, you know, they expect Christian gay people to, to do certain things. The church either feels like, no, you can't be gay. Even to think that you're gay, whether you act on it or not is a sin. And then there's some people that feel like, well, you know, it's not a sin to feel like you're gay. It's only a sin if you act on it. So there's different, you know, um, thoughts on that. Um, but most of the time the church says, just stop, like, Mm -hmm. just stop being gay, just change, um, pray the gay away you know, whatever you ask, if you really want it, if you truly want to be changed, you know, God's going to take that away. And, you know, every time you fall in love, you have to walk away. You just have to do it. Um, every time some guy falls in love with you, if you're a guy, you got to walk away. You, you don't get to love. You have to be alone forever. Unless, you know, of course God changes you. You have to die alone. You don't get to have somebody next to you on your bedside a spouse that you've had for 50 years. You have to die alone. You can never get married. Um, you can't marry who you love. And that goes against human beings. If you think yeah. about it, human beings, we see someone, they see you, you love them. You get the butterflies, you fall in love with each other. You want to spend the rest of your life with each other. But can you imagine getting those feelings and having to walk away? And I know the Christian life isn't easy. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, God wants our lives to be so easy. I'm not saying that. I'm just, can you imagine being alone forever? And, or they say, go ahead and get married. (laughs) Just get married, you know, to the opposite sex. Yeah. Yeah, Like even if you're gay, find a woman to marry. Yeah. And you take that risk. Find a man to marry. Yeah. Having children and getting, you know, can't handle it anymore. 20, 30 years down the road split up a family, you know, and those kids, you've got kids involved now and, but you did the right thing and you married the opposite sex, you know, uh, you know, they tell you, don't talk about it. You know, in our churches, don't even talk about it. Don't bring it up. Don't there's, it's the most lonely. It's such a lonely thing. You know, keep it to yourself. Guys are always going to be awkward around you if they think you are. And girls are always going to be awkward around you because you're gay, you know, and you can't have friendships because every guy, if you are a gay guy and every guy that you want to be friends with, and you literally are just looking at them like a friend, they're going to be awkward, you know? And then we've got the macho guys that grew up thinking faggots. And I'm saying that in a a derogatory term, faggots are disgusting and get that, you know, queer person away from me. And, you know, and, and so 
Yeah. And you can imagine how my self. (laughs) Yeah. Supposed to um, love and live as Christ. Yeah. Yeah. mm, Okay. You always spend your life like wondering if you can open up and tell them the real you and you spend your whole life with, with every person, the rest of your life wondering, can I tell them who I really am? You Mm -hmm. risk abandonment and people walking away all the time or people being uncomfortable around you and you're lonely, you're helpless. You always feel unloved and you know, you're hated and you know that you hate yourself. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's all that. Yeah. I mean, if you are in an environment where you have heard those things and you believe those things and what, I mean, that's a good reason for him to feel like he couldn't go there. And we felt the rejection too. I mean, we felt as parents, we had no one to go to. (laughs) We had no one to talk to. Um, people suddenly they found out became completely uncomfortable around us. And so we risked being accused of accepting the sin of our son, or we risked being accused of being bad parents. Mm-hmm. We risked being accused of having done something. We must've done something to cause our son to be gay or being told that we were flaunting our gay son around because we told someone they were gay, you know, or we like it's your new uh, soapbox yeah. or something, <laughs> or like, you yeah. know, that, that whole kind of background that you gave before was, you know, sort of like, I know you didn't mean it this way, but it's almost a little bit like proving that you didn't do anything to cause this, all those things that people would say like, well, you know, was your, did he not have a male role model or, you know, did you you not have him in sports? Yeah. Wrestle with his dad. Yeah. Like (laughs) all those crazy things that, um, people say to try to figure out the cause. And at the beginning, you know, yeah, yeah, at the very beginning, you know, um, when we weren't, you know, being open about it, we were trying to just deal with it ourselves. We risked abandonment every time someone asked us, you know, you know, hey, I bet you he has a girlfriend. He's so good looking. And, you know, when is he going to get married? I bet he has all the girls after him. You know, I bet you can't wait to have a daughter-in-law and those grandkids, you know. And so now I, now we, my husband and I are like, okay, we have to lie. <laughs> we have to lie to people. Oh yeah. We can't wait till he gets a girlfriend. What do you say? Um, yeah. it's so awkward. <laughs> it's this little, it's this shame, shameful, uh, little secret, you know, that you think you need to feel that you're, they're risking feeling shamed about, I guess is a better way to say it. It's not shameful, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like you're still no, trying to figure out how to, um, put this out there. So and you yeah. had this new reality and you're trying to understand what your son had going through and what it was like to be him. So once he became open about this, was he pretty forthcoming with sharing um, what it was like being a Christian gay kid? Oh yeah. We, we learned Christian gay kids are just like any other kids. They don't want to be different. They don't want to be gay. (laughs) They don't want to hurt anyone. They don't want to be called, you know, a bad Christian or to be called, called not a Christian at all. They don't want to be an abomination. They want to feel love. They want to be in love. They want companionship. They want to have someone that they'll have the rest of their life. They want a family. They want children. They want to be accepted. They want to please God. They don't want to be called names and they don't want to feel like they're under a microscope, you know, and, and that everything they do wrong is because, well, it's because they must be gay, you know, um, they were, they have strong sexual desires. 
just this is that was wow, something that you know just like a heterosexual yeah. kids you know they they and they slip up just mm-hmm. like heterosexual kids and the pressure to be perfect is very very strong and the pressure to find the perfect one is strong just like it is with a heterosexual kid and you know they want companionship they want to connect with people of the same sex too mm-hmm. not just as you know a, a, a lover but also but, as a friendship you know yeah and they um they lust the same way i don't know why we feel like gay kids it's all about sex 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 <laughs> and it's it's no different than a heterosexual kid mm-hmm. and why do we put a different standard you know on that being gay guys is not about sex it's it's about an attraction and love to the same sex just as heterosexual relationships are not about sex they're about companionship and friendship you know, deep conversation and challenging one another and sacrificial love, being best friends, spending time with one another. That's what my son wants as well. And I, I'm sure if I asked you about your marriage relationship, you've been married yeah. about the same amount of time as me, like yeah. 20 some years. Yeah. Years. We just had our 28th anniversary. Yeah, happy, just, happy anniversary. Thank you. Um, and I'm sure, and I'm not sure you're going to get personal here, but um, sex is not the number one thing in your relationship. It's no. not. Um, no. And, and I went through cancer. There were, there were months. There was none of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it's so much more than that. It's, yeah. it is, it's about a friendship and, and sacrificial love and learning to get along with somebody and, and intimacy deep- that's not mm-hmm. always sexual, of, of, Yeah, you know, having that person that you share your life with exactly that you can trust and love and has your back and, all those kind of things. Yeah. That you share life with, like you want to be with. So <laughs> yeah, the, I think that's what, you know, everybody wants, right? Everybody wants to be loved and they want to love. So where yeah. did you start in trying to process all of this? And what did you learn going through this journey? Besides a lot of the things that you've already shared, we've already had some well, big think, insights. <laughs> I think the first thing I, I do want to say is Um, I've learned, I've been very humbled through all of this and been very stripped of, of everything I feel. Debbie, um, you mean you did not have answers that you thought you had in high school? (laughs) Do we have to take back your super Christian award? (laughs) Super Christian award, my best Christian testimony award. Um, (laughs) you know, um, I know everybody wants to say, you know, well, dad gummit, all the answers are in the Bible. I believe that the Bible is God's word and I hold the Bible up very highly and um, I, I believe it's infallible and it is God's word. And, but I also know that it was written thousands of years ago and we've interpreted, we've interpreted things differently and the church has decided to interpret things differently um, throughout of life. And, um, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is I, I, I want I want everyone to understand that I, I believe in the Bible and that I'm not suddenly my, my son is gay. And so suddenly I'm throwing the Bible out and I don't care anymore. After much grieving and crying, I realized that I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers and I'm not telling you that I have them all right now. I'm not trying to push my, my thoughts or conclusions on anyone. Um, I can't help if people think, you know, what they think about me, but 
I know that my only audience is God and my relationship with God is still the most important thing in the world to me. And I seek after him every day and I still spend time with the Lord every day. And he's still, God is still the first person I turn to um, in times of thankfulness in times of horror in times of happiness. And um, my relationship hasn't changed with the Lord. And I, I hate that I have to like justify that to people, but I feel like I do. And suddenly I do feel like my word's been taken away. My best Christian testimony award all because of this one thing. And that's hard, but yeah, we had a journey. We're still on the journey. And after much grieving and like literally years of tears, we immediately began to seek God with our son and we wanted to learn and we wanted to read and we wanted to do, you know, listen to every podcast try to find somebody that could help us that we could get our hands on. We read God's word. We read the gospels. We wanted to be like Jesus. So everything that we know about Jesus is in the gospels and his life and how he lived. And we really looked at the arc of, of the Bible and the whole of God's word and its purpose. And like I said, I don't want to get into like a debate on, you know, on this. Um, I'd love to have coffee with people if they want to sit and talk about it. And like I said, I'm still filtering through things. I'm still trying to ask the Holy Spirit to, to reveal things in my life. I'm, I'm begging God to open my eyes. I think that's the most important thing. Um, but, you know, we did learn that over the years, we as a church, Bible's never been wrong, ever. The Bible's not wrong. Bible's not wrong. But mm -hmm. we have gotten things wrong, that we've interpreted things wrong in the Bible many times over the years that we're not. And throughout centuries, the church has misinterpreted God's word. And we have seen people destroyed, human beings destroyed because we were wrong. I mean, look at the crusades. I mean, look at, you know, yeah. many times um, throughout history, three things that come to mind, you know, um, slavery. Mm -hmm. We used so many scriptures to justify slavery throughout, throughout our centuries of life to own a human being well, we can because the bible says you know yeah um, yeah right mm -hmm. yeah uh women how women are treated in in church and society um definitely women are treated better now but in the bible days women were lower than slaves they were treated as dogs they had to sit back in the back of the church and you know we've misinterpreted that and that's not what jesus meant with that the belief that everything revolved around the earth i mean we use the bible you know, before Galileo and um, Copernicus, you know, we used the Bible to show that um, before the telescope was invented, you know, we thought every single thing revolved around the earth and when that telescope got invented. We were like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> we're back, on, it being, we're back on the earth being flat again. Did you, did you hear about that? Yeah. We're, we're back on that we're, again now too. I don't know. I don't know how yeah. that, but and okay. <laughs> it's interesting that Copernicus, Galileo, figure this out that, okay, we're actually revolving around the sun and the church banished him because it went against scriptures in the Bible. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't even apologize to them until a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. I mean, they died banished <laughs> from the church. Sorry. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> I know. And um, bad. yeah, but I, you know, I, I just kind of started to make a list of some things depending on when these particular things occurred in history. Um, in society, and even what area of the world or area of the, even the United States that we live in, these things that I mentioned may or may not be sin. Um, okay. These are all controversial things. 
in the Bible days, we had, we had multiple wives. We had mm -hmm. child marriage. You know, 40-year-old men were marrying 14-year-old girls. Uh, they were concubines. And you can look all of these things up. You know, they're in the Bible very clearly. We had slavery. The use of alcohol at some point has, at some places, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. And there's arguments about whether there was real wine or just grape juice. And we had the prohibition movement. And now we have churches mostly today that have wine in their communion. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's been a controversial thing, you know, using incest to procreate. I mean, I don't know about you, but that yeah. happened, <laughs> Yeah, you know, in, in the early days of procreation and marrying your half sister and tattoos, cremation, when I was growing up, cremation was horrible. That's a sin. I mean, you don't burn the body. Bible says that very clear. It's very clear. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, women with hair too short, men with hair too long, debt. Don't hear a lot of preaching about that. Um, mm -hmm. Lawsuits among believers, slaves mm -hmm. leaving their masters, not rising in the presence of the elderly. That's an abomination, by the way. Mm. Cats in church, black people and white people getting married. That yes. was so wrong. And we use the Bible to say that you can't do that. We use mm -hmm. that for years to prove yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, divorce and remarriage, okay? Um, at, that's, that's been given a lot of grace over the years in our mm -hmm. churches when you couldn't even say the word divorce 50 years ago. Right. Um, you know, working on the Sabbath, showing skin in our clothing, mixed swimming with the opposite sex, pants on females, going to movie theaters, reading Harry Potter, listening to secular music, using birth control, using science or in vitro to have a child, having a DNR plan in the hospital. I know I'm listing a lot of stuff here. Yeah. In war, in war, the Bible says, take the wives and do as you will with them. Mm -hmm. You know, let them mourn for six months and then take them all. A girl being a tomboy. That's so cute when a girl's a tomboy, isn't it? Our little girl's a tomboy, but she can't have a boy that's a tom girl. You notice that? Uh -huh. No, <laughs> you know, it doesn't go that other way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, associating or eating with the immoral, the greedy, the slanderers, the idolaters, the swindlers. Bible's pretty clear, First Corinthians five about that. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to do, to even eat with them. Um, mm -hmm. Not giving all you have to the poor, living lavishly with a big house, nice car, expensive clothes and jewelry. The church has changed their minds many times over the years. Some things were dropped in order of importance. They didn't become as important anymore. Some things got more important. Mm -hmm. Our priorities changed. Yeah. But the Bible's so clear. Really? It's so clear that we have literally 40,000 denominations of Christianity. And everybody is right. And everybody else is wrong. Yeah. And, and some, some sects of these, of these religions and denominations like mine, we weren't even allowed to associate or read the books from the Presbyterians or the Methodists or the mm -hmm. Roman Catholics. Mm -hmm. No, you can't read because he was a Roman Catholic. His theology is messed up. Mm -hmm. And now um, after the Reformation, you know, when the Protestant church split from the Roman Catholic church, we began to break apart from one another. And this issue and that issue caused us to split again and again and again. And then many churches broke off into different denominations entirely. And then some became non-denominational and they don't answer to anybody except one man, the pastor, and no leaders. And the Bible's so clear. And you are wrong the way you interpret the Bible. We are right. And we're great <sighs> at cherry picking uh, <laughs> what things we want to follow yeah. and what things we don't, you know? Yeah. yeah. I know. Um, I was told my whole life 
about homosexuality and I know that I was told it was an abomination and I believe that and it was the main reason that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed go back and read it again by the way Mm -hmm. Um, and you'll find a totally different story if you read that again read Ezekiel 16 49 and it shows exactly why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed I know that there were always, you know, gay people were always those people. It was those queers, those reprobates, those disgusting sinners. They are screwed up. They're messed up people. They're always flaunting it in our faces. And I didn't get it. You know, um, yuck. I didn't understand them. Why? You know, why were people choosing to, you know, be with the same sex? That's disgusting. You know, the opposite sex is so great. Why don't you want them? I only thought of them as, you know, wanting attention and flaunting things and wanting to cram their lifestyle down my throat and destroying the idea of marriage, you know, and, but before I was playing with monopoly money and now this is my son, my baby, my child, my flesh and blood, and I have to get this right. I cannot get it wrong. I have to draw the line. And I have to turn my back on this sin and stand up for right, right? <laughs> Even if this causes me to push my son away because I can't have the sinful lifestyle in my home. So you are really having quite an internal battle with everything that you had learned. And then, you know, finding, finding these different, um, you want to say, I don't want to say like discrepancies, but like things that, like you just said, that whole list of things that were you know, the whole list of what's right and what's wrong, quote, what's right, what's wrong, and how that changes depending on who's in charge. You know, I'm, I'm reading this book right now, I should say listening to on Audible, and mm-hmm. um, I'll mess up the title of it. It's something like misinterpreting the scriptures by reading through Western eyes or something to that effect it just talks about how different it's these, you know, two theology professors and they've been missionaries and they've lived in different parts, you know, of the world. And okay. So if we were taking a test in school, like multiple choice, uh, what do we tell our kids? If you're not sure of the answer, pick the best one, right? Just take a guess. Yeah. It's better to pick an answer than to leave it blank. Mm-hmm. Well, in the, I forget exactly what country this was. I want to say like in somewhere in Indonesia, but, um, somewhere like that, but he was talking to, they were doing some kind of little thing like that with some of the students. And he said, um, Oh, you didn't, you didn't answer any of these questions. And they said, well, I didn't know the answer. And he's like, well, take, take a guess. Don't you want to just take a guess? And they were like, no, why would I do that? I don't know the answer. And he's like, well, you might get it right. And he's like, but if I get it right, then mm. I lied. I, I lied and I give the impression that I knew the answer when I didn't know the answer. And I just guessed and I got it right. That's lying. That's dishonesty. Mm-hmm. And so it's something very kind of a simple example like that, where it doesn't directly relate here, but kind of how, you know, you can live in certain places, certain ways. And what we would say is, uh, oh my gosh, you should, you should like, you eat a dog or a rat. Yeah. That's disgusting. You should be put in jail. PETA's coming for you. Mm -hmm. But there's other parts of the country, you know, guinea pigs and things like that. You know, they're just saying like, what is wrong with you? You know, what you eat bacon, 
you should go to jail, you know? <laughs> so like yeah. fill in the blank of whatever you think is right and wrong, you know, and we, we try to apply all this. Um, it's very confusing to try yeah. to follow the word. I know. Yeah. I know in my, you know, my generation, from my background, from my area of the country, from, you know, my experiences uh, with the Baptists and everything. And I, by the way, I'm still doctrinal. I'm not, I don't want you to, I'm not off going off on any Baptists or anything. That's just my, my background. Um, but we did spend more time on listening to what this man said, a pastor said, and not, and just kind of taking it for what he says at its worth and not searching for ourselves. And, you know, he preached on it. It, it, you know, I would have, I would have, you know, pastors would come and my dad would get convicted, you know, and they'd come for like a revival and he'd speak all against the TV. The TV's wrong. The TV's bad. And if you let your family listen to the TV, my dad would feel convicted and he would come home. And I remember what he ripped the back of the cord out of our big, huge, you know, the big floor TV, big square floor. He ripped the cord out. And he's like, we're not listening to TV anymore because we think it's wrong and sin. And we, we don't want the devil's box in our home anymore. And then literally like four days later, my dad would be in the back trying to put the cord back in the, into the TV because the a ball game was on. He didn't want to miss the ball game. But it's like, it's like a lot of the times it was because of the, the culture we were in. And it was just like, what they say goes. And whether we believe it or not, we have to, we have to do it because they said, he said it was wrong. We put our pastors on a pedestal. And, and I realized that throughout centuries, you know, I'm not stupid about this subject. I promise you I'm not, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I'm saying I've heard every possible on both sides that you could possibly hear. I believed strongly on one side and now I'm strongly believing on another side. And, and so I, I have heard all of the, the things I've heard everything. And I, one thing I know that there are, are six scriptures in the Bible that refer to this for to homosexuality. There was no word for homosexuality. Anyway, when the Bible was written, they didn't have a word for it to translate even from Greek. Um, there's no Greek word for that. So we added that just in the last few hundred years. Um, but the idea, you know, is that there's three in the old Testament, there's three in the new Testament. And I, I don't have time to get into all of this. Um, I've had to do all the searching. You do all the searching, you know, that's, <laughs> I, I can't do the, all the work for you, you know, and you mm-hmm. have to answer to the Lord. I have to answer to the Lord. Um, but I, you know, that would have to be over coffee <laughs> if we get into this, but there's plenty of, there are plenty of books out there to explain different interpretations of these passages. Um, the passages range everywhere from gang rape of these six scriptures to pagan idolatry to warnings against pederasty, which was the Roman culture. And Paul is calling out, you know, this issue of men who were married to wives and they were abusing their slaves and abusing young boys. Um, so he had to call out pederasty, the Greek practice of, you know, abusive, non-consensual, violent rape extortion of other human beings, um, man acting and being in the position of a woman was almost the biggest worst thing ever. The, and I'm not trying to be graphic, but just the very fact of a man being in that position, um, in that culture, you know, when one tribe would conquer another tribe, a very common practice was for the men to rape the men. Why? 
because it makes them like they're women and women were yes. disgusting then and women were like trash and it was humiliating. Them, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dehumanize and humiliate them mm -hmm. um, by doing this. And, you know, so women were the bottom of the totem pole at many times they were less than slaves. And so that was a lot of the things that Paul's calling out. The scripture texts are there for the study. And like I said, I, I, I'm not going to debate each scripture with you and, and even tell you that I even know for 100% what this meant and what they were meaning when they wrote this thousands of years ago. Um, but I will tell you this. I know that Jesus spent most of his time in the gospels showing love to the unlovely, love to the sick, the repulsive, and the outcast. And I know Jesus spent so much time calling out the religious leaders who had the laws all figured out. They used those to hit people over the heads with it. And they had the law totally figured out so that you didn't question them. And one of the many examples I know in Luke 11, um, when Jesus condemned the Pharisees and he said, woe to you experts of the law, you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Mm. And I've kind of seen that a lot in the church and not in, every single case. I've, I've got yes. definite godly Christian people, friends in the church that have walked with us, but I'd have to say the majority of them didn't even want to get in conversation with me about it. Didn't want to walk with me through this and doing this, justifying it just because of your son. Um, you know, Jesus constantly said, you have heard it say, but I say, mm -hmm. Jesus was constantly breaking the laws and um, he reminded them that people were more important than the law people were always above the law. And when they came to Jesus, they tried to trick him by saying, Hey, Jesus, you know, all these laws and all these commandments, which ones are the most important? You know, they tried to, to, to get them, you know, and Jesus yeah. said, well, everything can be summed up here. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. I just believe, you know, Jesus came to bring life. Following Jesus, we have been told is, you know, it's not about being easy. I know that I've, I've had cancer and I've gone through a lot of stuff that I can't get into right now. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. that'll be for another podcast, but, uh, I know the Christian life isn't easy. And I know that it's not about everything working out perfectly. And when we follow him, it's all going to be good. And I know it's not about smooth sailing. I get that. But mm -hmm. following Jesus is also not about being miserable and hating yourself with a passion, anxiety, wanting to take your life or being alone because we were created for companionship and we have been told it's not good for someone to be alone. Yet it's interesting. Paul spends way more time, like whole chapters on it's better not to get married. <laughs> he says, don't get married at all. You know, well, mm -hmm. Bible's clear. so why are we all getting married then? Because Paul mm -hmm. made it clear not to, he said, mm -hmm. be like me. It's better. You know, if you get married, yeah. then you have another person to account for and you won't but have all your time to please the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we justify that passage though. You mm -hmm. know, that Paul didn't really mean that or, well, that's changed. And you know, Bible's clear that he wants marriage. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I'm just, we pick and choose. And, yeah. um, but following Jesus and following Christ produces good fruits yeah. like love and humility, and joy, and kindness, and empathy, service, peace, goodness, faith, sympathy toward others, 
confidence in knowing you were created in the image of God and made the way you are. And it's good. We were created good. He made us good knowing you are incredibly loved by God and that God gave everything to you. I'm not saying that what we do is good. We are sinful people. We are constantly having to go to him at his mercy. But I, I still believe that when we follow him, it does produce good fruit. And when I read the Bible, I see God from the beginning has always come towards us. Yeah. Um, where we are in our society, in our brokenness, in our space. And God has always opened up the parameters. <laughs> Go back and read it wider and wider for us. That doesn't mean that God isn't a God of justice. I know that. But I believe that that was taken care of at the cross. And when people told him Gentiles, you know, I look back through scripture and we always kept a group of people from coming to him. You know, mm-hmm. Gentiles weren't allowed to be a part of us. Gentiles. Well, you can't, can't be mean part of them, Jesus. You can't yeah. mean that. Not you. Okay. Yes. Sure. Love everybody, but not them. Right. Yeah. We've had to use whole books of the Bible to, to convince, you know, the people, the Jewish people that, okay, Gentiles get to come too. Yeah. And the, he's always come toward us. Um, and Jesus made a way for them. When people told him women can't be a part of us, when Jesus welcomed them, when people said slaves can't come, Jesus made a way. When people said, you know, eunuchs, they're not allowed to come. Jesus opened the door. When people said the poor people, they need to stay back. They don't get to come. We don't get to decide as a church who is worthy or not. Just because someone is something not by choice or because they were born this way or that way, we don't hold the keys. And I realize that's a controversial statement, but we don't get to decide who comes to the table and who doesn't because we're never going to be consistent, Sheila. Never, never. We're never as a church body going to be consistent because mm-hmm. while we're saying that gay couple can't be a members of our church, we're, we are saying that this couple living together, well, that's okay. Or these people that were divorced and it, it was his fault that mm-hmm. they got divorced, but he's allowed to teach Sunday school. He's allowed to be a part of the church. Yeah. He's allowed, but we give the crumbs crumbs to to our to the gay people the lgbt people in our community you know i recently heard this thing and it really made me think okay so when you live in your father's house it's your house you live there you got a key to that house but who but whose house is it it's it's your father's house and what does he say like this is my house i say who comes in here and who doesn't you might have a key you you might have a key to the kingdom but it's my kingdom. And, and I heard that example recently and boy, don't we get some big britches. Like it makes me think like, you know, about being a teenager where inevitably a mom or dad has had to say, uh, no ma'am, no, sir. This is my house. You're part of this family. Yes, you are. But I say what goes on here, not Mm -hmm. you you know? Right. Um, and, and I think this is a great thing to have in mind. Like, boy, we, we think, we think we got the key to the kingdom. We think we own the kingdom. It's not ours. It's and not I know ours. It, it, yeah. And as a, as we a don't church, rule it. As a church, it. you know, I know we do say that, you know, everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. Mm-hmm. Everyone's welcome. But, but we don't really mean that because no, there's, but there. you, you have to, you have to change. And, and, I know some churches are like, no, we want you to come until you change. And if you truly are, you'll change. And the very fact that an an LGBTQ person wants to come to church, Mm -hmm. that has even has that desire to come to church, Mm -hmm. but that 
some of us are like, okay, you can come, but, or, okay, you can come, but you can't come. You can't do this. You can't, you know, you can't be in this part or you, you can't join or you can't, you can't leadership, serve or you, you can't, can't teach Sunday school yeah. or you mm -hmm. can't, you can you know, pass out pamphlets, I mean, but that's all what you're are we going to do in this yeah. society. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And even in this society, yeah. you know, is not like it was 50 years ago, a hundred years ago, 200 years, right. thousands of years ago in this society. We do, the church has to answer. We do have couples that have been married gay couples for 20 years and yeah. 15 years and mm -hmm. legally. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they've got children and, you know, as a church, are we going to, we have to make some decisions or what are we going to do? Are we going to say they need to get divorced? Mm -hmm. Um, you, if you're going to come to our church, you're going to need to be divorced and break up a family or, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you, you can't, you can come as long as you don't tell anybody. I, I don't know. I, I, I know how the politics in some churches work and we, we're going to have to understand and figure out, you know, what, how we're going to answer some of these questions. Because right now I do have the question sometimes of what if we're wrong and, mm -hmm. and what if, what if we're wrong the way we've treated a whole group of people, you know, um, but look what we mm. did with, with, like I said, with, with black people and yeah, I was going to say we and, were, we were wrong there for sure. And, and just even, you know, like I said, mixed, mixed marriages of yeah. blacks and whites marrying, we, that was not allowed No, and, and it was wrong. And, and we made scripture justify that. And we've had to come back and eat our words a little bit with that. And so mm -hmm. we need to think about as a church and I don't have the answers, you know, but, but maybe we need to start with, we're all welcome to the table and yeah. we're not just going to pass crumbs out to some people. I truly believe, you know, God has changed and softened our hearts and our journey over the years. And, and I, I don't know all the answers and I have more questions. I know sometimes that I know what to do with, and I know that I can't keep up with it all sometimes, Sheila. It's overwhelming. I yeah. I'm and feeling like that just during this conversation, we're bringing up so many things and they're, they're not hard and fast. And I want to reiterate that to our listeners, you know, neither Debbie nor I are saying, believe what we believe or do what we do or say, no, what, you know, I'm not. we're saying, can you just investigate a little bit where you might have one set of rules in this situation and another set of rules in this situation? And and if the bottom line is Jesus tells us to love above all things, like that has to be first and then filter the rest through. Yeah. Well, and I, I, now that you've said that, I've got two, two thoughts in my mind, but um, Stan Mitchell um, just posted on a Facebook post. He's, he's a leader of a, of a church and he wrote this. We all have our sins, but God loves us anyway or your sin is no worse than mine, or my job is not to judge. I'm just called to love. They're all really kind of backhanded compliments when you talk to gay people like that, or thinly veiled insults, as well as, you know, God awful piety. It's horrible yeah. theology and the worst of what religion can be. Furthermore, every single time a scenario employing this approach is described in the gospels, the gracious and merciful people, quote unquote, who are depicted as offering their generous love, the sinners, actually, they end up being the ones that need the forgiveness all throughout God's word. Um, if we have to constantly defend LGBT presence in our life by saying those kind of things and by pointing out, well, Jesus hung out with sinners, so I guess I will too. We need to mm. check our hearts because that's a little bit cocky. It's a little bit pious. You know, we keep hearing love the sinner, hate the sin. 
okay, love the sinner, hate your own sin. Hate your, maybe if we spend more time, and I am not trying to downplay anything, and, and just, just so you know this, you know, Sheila, I, 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 I hope my, my number one thing for my kids is to not have sex before marriage, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of like the, the thing that I still kind of hold to, and I do, I do think it's sinful to be lustful, and to have sex all over the place with different people. There is a homosexual lifestyle out there that's not right, that's wrong, and guess what? There's a heterosexual lifestyle out there that is really not right and is really wrong. And, um, and so I, I think God looks at the heart with a lot of this. And I, I guess I, I, I'm not the judge. I'm not the decider. You know, I'm not the one standing higher than the rest. And I still encourage my boys to seek God in everything they do. I encourage them to love God and love others and to be pure in heart and to be kind and to serve God. Um, my son you know, right now he's, he's been in a relationship with a boy for four years now. Um, it's his first and only one. And my son is, you know, 22 years old. He loves this guy. Um, we love him. We love who our boys love and, um, he's not hurting anyone. And I'll tell you, my son loves God and he's normal. He goes to the grocery store. He cooks food in his apartment (laughs) he studies hard in school he's he doesn't party um he's not living this lifestyle where he's going around and got a different partner every night and i do realize in the homosexual community there are there are people that get frustrated because they're so prideful and they're trying to push their lifestyle on us and they're Mm -hmm. pushing on no i I, some some of them are i'm not saying that uh, but i Mm -hmm. am saying that there are on the whole lgbt people have kind of come to the conclusion too that we don't have to hate ourselves we don't have to be disgusting and an abomination we can accept ourselves and this is who we are and um it may not even be our actions it might just be this is who we are this is how we were born and there's that kind of a pride of i'm not i'm not a piece of junk i'm not Mm -hmm. scum of the earth like Mm -hmm. everyone thinks that i am and i think that's where the gay pride comes in it's it's kind of understanding that um, I'm, I'm a person a human in the being. image of God. Yeah, I'm a human right. being. A creation. Yeah, yes. We can't keep taking that away. My son, like I said, he does normal things. He's got a good job. He pays for his college. Um, he wants to get married. He wants a family. He loves music and video games. He loves watching movies. He loves history. His lifestyle is like you and me. He, he's still a good kid and he makes mistakes and he sins, and I don't justify it. I call him out when I see it, and as an adult now, I kind of think he'll call things out with me, too. Mm -hmm. He owns up to them, and he tries to do better. He is hurt. Mm -hmm. He's hurt about how he's been treated by the church, and and there's a lot of frustration there that he has to deal with. It may take a lifetime. I don't know. Um, When our son came out, it was heartbreaking, and it hurt. We hurt because he spent so much time of his life figuring it all out alone and really with no one to talk to. I can't imagine the battle and the torture that went on, you know, inside of his heart and mind and even questioning if we would even love him. Wow, that <laughs> that yeah. kind of breaks my heart mm-hmm. more than anything. You know, who gave him that fear? So many people who know and love him and know him have said that they're praying for him because they know it's going to be so difficult in this world living as a gay person and they are 100% right so far 
though, the worst that he's been treated has been by Christians. And wow. um, he's lost friends. He's lost relationships. He lost church. It's very obvious that people, some, certain people don't want to be around him unless he cleans up his act because um, how can they be around him or be in their church? Mm. He doesn't get to come to the table at most churches. People dropped him like a hot potato when they found out and they do nothing but shake their heads. They don't lift one finger to make it easier. Just like in the woes that I quoted earlier in Luke, life is a lot easier when you're straight. And he knows that he's learned to accept who he is. And if God changes him to be straight, he would gladly accept that, but he's not broken. He's not unloved by God or by us. And God doesn't make mistakes. And I know I don't have all the answers. When he came out, my husband and I decided to walk with him and walk beside him. And we vowed never to leave him. And we know that we will stand before God one day. <laughs> and we would rather God tell us, you should have stood stronger against homosexuality you know, then why did you turn my son away from me? Mm -hmm. Why did you judge him and condemn him and not love him and bring him to me? Mm -hmm. So may it never be said that we didn't love our son and that we didn't constantly point him towards Christ because that is never going to be said about us. And it almost caused him to take his life. So for him to come out was a big deal. We love him, period. It's not we love him, but... And it's not love the sinner and hate the sin. It's love the sinner, hate our own sin. Yeah. I realize for many and most of the church that he has fallen in love with the wrong person and he loves hard and he loves whole. That's who he is. And I realize for many, um, he is in deep sin and I'm just a mother justifying it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But God knows our hearts. God knows how much I've cried and how much I've sought the Lord in every single thing. And I trust the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life. And it has been so incredibly difficult, but it's also been so freeing and such a beautiful experience of seeking God and knowing more about who God is and what God wants from us. And I trust that. I trust God's leading. I'm choosing to spend the rest of my life loving God and loving people and loving my family to Christ. Mm -hmm. And though it's difficult at times and makes me feel out of control, it's still very humbling. And the story isn't all tied up with a pretty bow. And it's something that will probably never be tied up in our family. It's a day-by-day -day life experience. And I've learned to hold loosely to things and not keep God in a box and live a new normal. I'm thankful for what God has used on my earthly journey. And I'm thankful that God has never allowed our family to ever, ever walk alone. Wow, Debbie. Yeah. It's not all tied up with, um, a pretty bow. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. And, um, I think when I first met you, you said something else that stuck with me besides that first line that I shared in the intro about, um, you know, I have four sons, they all love Jesus and one is gay. Another thing that you said somewhere in there, I just got tired of trying to one, figure out all the rules and two, looking at other people and deciding what rules they should be following. There's enough to do every day. You said something about if you just write on your grocery list on your refrigerator, love God and love others 
that's enough to fill up your whole day trying to do that. And I think that is um, really wise advice. It just makes me think and every, every so often, you know, we all get in that judgy pattern. And when my daughter was little, she was very independent and she used to kind of have this, you know, baby talk way where she would say, and she would be like, I do my selps, mom, I do my selps, you know? And um, <laughs> she didn't want anyone to help her and she didn't want anybody like, mind your own business. You know, I do myself, <laughs> my, worry about yourself. And she oh would say Lord. things like that, you know, and I just, I just hear that sometimes like the Holy Spirit, if I'm feeling judgy about somebody or like, I just think, mm, I, I'm a little, I'm maybe a little better uh, today than so-and-so, you know, like worry about yourself, worry about yourself. And when you've got it all figured out, then maybe you can say something, but I'm not going to hold my breath waiting for you to be it all figured out. Cause that's the whole point. It's the whole point. We can't figure it all out. And that's you why know, we, and we don't, this. yeah, we don't, yeah. um, walk up to other people, you know, I, we, I guess we feel with, with gay people, we feel like we should say, I love you, but I don't approve of your lifestyle. Like yeah. we want to make sure we go on record that they know that we don't approve of their lifestyle. And we don't do that to anyone else. Like I don't walk up and get to a, you know, a overweight person and go, I love you, but I don't approve of your gluttony, you know, <laughs> or I love you, but I don't approve that you got divorced. I just want to make sure you know that before we're friends, I don't approve that you got divorced 30 years ago. You know, mm. we, we don't do that, but we feel like we have to do that with this. And, you know, I, I know the misconception is you're flaunting, you know, gay people are flaunting their sin out for all the world to see. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not flaunting it. It's just making people realize that they're human beings. Like you said, it's, it's, we're human beings and it goes much deeper than just we're, you know, going out and having sex all over the place. This is, mm -hmm. you know, those scriptures in the Bible, they didn't address my son, my yeah. son that is, is not living a debaucherous life. That's not in a rebellion, turning from idols and, you know, worshiping, you know, other gods and doing this and that. And, and I didn't say he's perfect. I'm just saying it's not something that, that that's what he had. To, he, he doesn't have that kind of a lifestyle. It's, it's, he just wants to love somebody the rest of his yeah. life. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm, I pray for him. I pray for all my boys and I just pray that God will continue to humble me and humble my husband and that we will be gracious to people that don't think the way we think, um, to not, we're not going to always be like, we're right. We're right. Everyone else is wrong. I want to be a little more humble about that. And yeah, just thanks for letting me tell my story. Really that I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah, I'm <laughs> grateful that you would trust me with such a, a difficult and personal journey for your family. Um, I said it at the beginning, this is a very brave thing that you just did. And I hope that anyone who is listening will hear above all that you're a faith-filled mom and you love your child and you just don't want any other moms or dads or children to feel alone. I'm sure someone will go through this and listen and cherry pick something you said that they can disagree with. But the yeah. bottom line is, you know, the bottom line is, yes. Your, your, your faith has not let you down. <laughs> it ha yeah. That has not changed. Your, your, your trust in God and your belief in Jesus and, and trying to live for him has not changed. You're still a mom that loves your child. And I know that part of the reason that you're doing this is because you don't want anyone to feel alone in the way that 
your son did or that you you did and um and just to kind of give us all that nudge to maybe just just think don't you don't have to change your mind but just think about why do you think what you think and why do you believe what you believe and who who said so who said so and and every person that you make fun of gay persons you make fun of or you know roll your eyes at or shake your head at there's a story behind that and yeah. and they they have a mom and they have a dad they have you know family members or children and they have had an internal struggle and i think it's just one of my main purposes is to put a face to this as especially as a christian family um that that it's this is still a, a person made in the image of god um eating fish on you know shellfish the bible calls that yeah. an abomination and mm -hmm. you know in leviticus and wearing two things of the same fabric you know two different fabrics or planting two seeds in the same field as leviticus says those are also an abomination just we need to remember like how are we treating an entire group of people at the end of the yeah. day are we going to look back in history 50 years from now or 100 years from now and say like we are now about how we stood so strong against blacks and whites not being married yeah, or right you know um are we gonna be embarrassed and say i wish we wouldn't have done this i wish we would have shown more love i wish we would have and it's okay i, I understand people will 100 percent disagree with a lot of what i've said and that's, that's i understand okay. that that's yeah. okay and, and i i don't think that i'm better than anybody and i don't think that you're better than me and it's just where we are in our journeys and i've been called to walk this road and like i said when when it's your child you're not playing with monopoly money anymore no um, this has cost you something this is not monopoly money yes. this has cost you something it's, it's the cost real money you and sheila if there's anybody you know out there that they've had this similar story or they just want to talk to me or you be feel free to give my name um, to them. Um, I would love to talk with somebody I can direct maybe to some books and podcasts and, or just be there to hear you out because yeah. there's not a lot of people that want to listen. Yeah. Right now. So yeah, if you've listened to this podcast today and you're like, Oh man, I just really want to talk to Debbie. Um, just reach out to me, just reach out to me, uh, you know, through the podcast and I can connect you all. So, um, that's, I guess where we'll stop it for today. Great conversation. And, you know, yes, to think about, and again, I know this was hard for you. I know this was a, a private thing for you, a very hard struggle for your family. I'm giving you a new award for your testimony today, girl, you get a new one. The, the bridge. you're back in the super Christian club. <laughs> Best Christian testimony. Best, best. What else do you want to say? Best I don't know. Bravery award. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. Best gay mom named Debbie award. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Seriously. Like someone can even decide who's the best Christian testimony. But we even had that award. I don't know. All right. Detour podcast listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Debbie, thank you again for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sheila. You are thank welcome. You. Everyone have a beautiful day. And you know what? Love God and love others and write it on your refrigerator list. And if you get that done in the day, if you're like, yeah, I did that great today. All right. Good for you. Give yourself a sticker. But um, most of us <laughs> cannot say we've done that even one Give day. Give yourself a best Christian testimony award. <laughs> exactly.
<laughs> Thanks, Debbie. Thank, Thank you for you. listening, everyone. Until next time, hey, take the detour and enjoy the wander. Thank you for listening. You can follow, interact, and ask questions about this episode and others on our Facebook page, The Detour Podcast, and on Instagram at Sheila Shinsky. To hear more conversations like this one, you can listen to all of our episodes on the Detour Podcast channel on Podbean. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. So be sure to share this episode with a friend who loves podcasts too. And rate, comment, and subscribe yourself. So you can join us next time as we take the detour and enjoy the wander.